TED Audio Collective. This TED Talk features evolutionary biologist Toby Kears, recorded live at TED at BCG 2019. Support comes from Zuckerman Spader. Through nearly five decades of taking on high-stakes legal matters, Zuckerman Spader is recognized nationally as a premier litigation and investigations firm. Their lawyers routinely represent individuals, organizations, and law firms in business disputes, government, and internal investigations, and at trial, when the lawyer you choose matters most. Online at Zuckerman.com. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from Capital One Bank. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. So I stand before you as, um, as an evolutionary biologist, a professor of evolutionary biology, which sounds like a rather fancy title, if I may say so myself. And I'm going to f- talk about two topics that aren't normally talked about together. And that's market economies and fungi. Or is it fungi, or as we say in Europe now, fungi? You know, there's still no consensus on how to say this word. So I want you to imagine a market economy that's 400 million years old, one that's so ubiquitous that it operates in almost every ecosystem of the world, so huge that it can connect millions of traders simultaneously, and so persistent that it survived mass extinctions. It's here right now, Under our feet, you just can't see it. And unlike human economies that rely on cognition to make decisions, traders in this market, they beg, borrow, steal, cheat, all in the absence of thought. So hidden from our eyes, plant roots are colonized by a fungus called arbuscular mycorrhizae. Now, the fungus forms these complex networks underground, of fine filaments, thinner than even threads of cotton. So follow one of these fungi, and it connects multiple plants simultaneously. You can think of it as an underground subway system, where each route is a station where resources are loaded and unloaded. And it's also very dense. So roughly the length of many meters, even a kilometer, in a single gram of dirt. So that's the length of 10 football fields, in just a thimbleful of soil, and it's everywhere. So if you passed over a tree, a shrub, a vine, even a tiny weed, you passed over a mycorrhizal network. Roughly 80 percent of all plant species are associated with these mycorrhizal fungi. So what does a root covered in fungi have to do with our global economy And why, as an evolutionary biologist, have I spent the last 10 years of my life learning economic jargon? Well, the first thing you need to understand is that trade deals made by plant and fungal partners are surprisingly similar to those made by us, but perhaps even more strategic. 
You see, plant and fungal partners, they're not exchanging stocks and bonds. They're exchanging essential resources. And for the fungus, that's sugars and fats. It gets all of its carbon directly from the plant partner. So much carbon. So every year, roughly five billion tons of carbon from plants go into this network underground. For the root, what they need is phosphorus and nitrogen. So by exchanging their carbon, they get access to all of the nutrients collected by that fungal network. So to make the trade, the fungus penetrates into the root cell of the host and forms a tiny structure called an arbuscule, which is Latin for little tree. Now, you can think of this as the physical stock exchange of the trade market. So up until now, it seems very harmonious, right? I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Both partners get what they need. But here is where we need to pause and understand the power of evolution and natural selection. You see, there's no room for amateur traders on this market. Making the right trade strategy determines who lives and who dies. Now, I use the word strategy. But of course, plants and fungi, they don't have brains. They're making these exchanges in the absence of anything that we would consider as thought. But as scientists, we use behavioral terms such as strategy to describe behaviors to certain conditions, actions and reactions that are actually programmed into the DNA of the organism. So I started studying these trade strategies when I was 19 years old, and I was living in the tropical rainforest of Panama. Now, everybody at the time was interested in this incredible diversity above ground. And it was hyper-diversity, right? These are tropical rainforests. But I was interested in the complexity below ground. We knew that the networks existed, and we knew they were important. And I'm going to say it again, by important, I mean important. So the basis of all plant nutrition, for all the diversity that you do see above ground. But at the time, we didn't know how these networks worked. We didn't know how they functioned. Why did only certain plants interact with certain fungi? So fast forward to when I started my own group, and we really began to play with this trade market. You see, we would manipulate conditions. We would create a good trading partner by growing a plant in the sun, and a poor trading partner by growing it in the shade. We would then connect these with a fungal network. And we found that the fungi were consistently good at discriminating among good and bad trading partners. They would allocate more resources to the host plant, giving them more carbon. Now, we would run the reciprocal experiments, where we would inoculate a host plant with good and bad fungi, and they were also good at discriminating between these trade partners. So what you have there is the perfect conditions for a market to emerge. It's a simple market, but it's a market nonetheless where the better trading partner is consistently favored. But is it a fair market? Now, this is where you need to understand that, like humans, plants and fungi are incredibly opportunistic. 
There's evidence that the fungus, once it penetrates into the plant cell, it can actually hijack the plant's own nutrient uptake system. It does this by suppressing the plant's own ability to take up nutrients from the soil. So this creates a, a dependency of the plant on the fungus. It's a, it's a false addiction of sorts, whereby the plant has to feed the fungus just to get access to the resources right around its own root. There's also evidence that the fungi are good at inflating the price of nutrients. They do this by extracting the nutrients from the soil, but then rather than trading them with the host, they hoard them in their network. So this makes them unavailable to the plant and other competing fungi. So basic economics, as resource availability goes down, the value goes up. The plant is forced to pay more for those same amount of resources. But it's not all in favor of the fungus. Plants can be extremely cunning as well. There are some orchids, and I always think of orchids somehow seem like the most devious of the plant species in the world. And there are some orchids that just tap directly into the network and steal all their carbon. So these orchids, they don't even make green leaves to photosynthesize. They're just white. So rather than photosynthesizing, tap into the network, steal the carbon, and give nothing in return. Now, I think it's fair to say that these types of parasites also flourish in our human markets. So as we began to decode these strategies, we learned some lessons. And the first one was that there's no altruism in this system. There's no trade favors, right? We don't see strong evidence of the fungus helping dying or struggling plants unless it's directly in favor, directly benefits the fungus itself. Now, I'm not saying if this is good or bad, right? Unlike humans, a fungus, of course, cannot judge its own morality. And as a biologist, I'm not uh, advocating for these types of ruthless neoliberal market dynamics enacted by the fungi. But the trade system, it provides us with a benchmark to study what an economy looks like when it's been shaped by natural selection for hundreds of millions of years in the absence of morality, when strategies are just based on the gathering and processing of information, uncontaminated by cognition, no jealousy, no spite, but no hope, no joy. So we've made progress in decoding the most basic trade principles at this point. But as scientists, we always want to take it one step further, and we're interested in more complex economic dilemmas. And specifically, we're interested in the effects of inequality. So inequality has really become a defining feature of today's economic landscape. But the challenges of inequality are not unique to the human world. I think as humans, we tend to think that everything's unique to us. But organisms in nature must face relentless variation in their access to resources. How does a fungus that can, again, be meters long, 
change its trade strategy when it's exposed simultaneously to a rich patch and a poor patch. And more generally, how do organisms in nature? How do they use trade to their advantage when they're faced with uncertainty in terms of their access to resources? Here's where I have to let you in on a secret: studying trade underground is incredibly difficult. You can't see where or when important trade deals take place. So our group helped pioneer a method, a technology, whereby we could tag nutrients. With nanoparticles, fluorescing nanoparticles called quantum dots. What the quantum dots allow us to do is actually light up the nutrients, so we can visually track their movement across the fungal network and into the host root. So this allows us finally to see the unseen, so we can study how fungi bargain at a small scale with their plant hosts. So to study inequality, we exposed a fungal network to these varying concentrations of fluorescing phosphorus, mimicking patches of abundance and scarcity across this artificial landscape. We then carefully quantified fungal trade, and we found two things. The first thing we found was that inequality encouraged the fungus to trade more. So I can use the word encouraged or stimulated or forced, but the bottom line is that compared to control conditions, inequality was associated with higher levels of trade. This is important because it suggests that evolving a trade partnership in nature can help organisms cope with the uncertainty of accessing resources. Second, we found. Exposure to inequality, the fungus would move resources from the rich patch of the network, actively transport them to the poor side of the network. Now, of course, we could see this because the patches were fluorescing in different colors. So, at first, this result was incredibly puzzling. Was it to help the poor side of the network? No, we found. That the fungus gained more by first moving the resources to where demand was higher, simply by changing where across the network the fungus was trading, it could manipulate the value of those resources. Now, this stimulated us to really dig deeper into how information is shared. It suggests a high level of sophistication, or at least a medium level of sophistication, in an organism with no cognition. How is it that a fungus can sense market conditions across its network and then make calculations of where and when to trade? So we wanted to look about information and how it's shared across this network, how the fungus integrates cues. So to do that, what you need to do is Dive deep in and get a higher resolution into the network itself. We began to study complex flows inside the hyphal network, and there's a couple of things: it speeds up, it slows down, it switches directions. So we're working now with biophysicists to try to, to dissect this complexity. How is the fungus using these complex flow patterns to share and process information? And make these trade decisions. 
Are fungi better at making trade calculations than us? Now, here's where we can potentially borrow models from nature. We're increasingly reliant on computer algorithms to make us profitable trades in split-second timescales. But computer algorithms and fungi—they both operate in similar uncognitive ways. The fungi just happens to be a living machine. What would happen if we compare and compete the trading strategies of these two? Who would win? The tiny capitalist that's been around since before and the fall of the dinosaurs? My money is on the fungus. Thank you. For more TED talks, go to TED.com. Support for TED Talks Daily comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com/tedtalks. That's o d o o.com/tedtalks. Odoo, modern management made simple. Tired of unnecessary payroll errors? Stop them in their tracks. With Paycom, employees do their own payroll. They're able to identify errors and fix them before submission, right in the app, because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong—not HR and payroll teams, not leaders, and definitely not employees. Shorted paychecks. Timesheet corrections, unentered sick days, missing overtime hours, and expense mistakes are well unnecessary for everyone. Manage the process to make payday right with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com/soundrise. That's paycom.com/soundrise. PR.